Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Netflix and Soul Podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb, and I hope that this show goes viral. Uh, me too. I'm Dan, and I'm here to tell you, watch most of this stuff. Might as well get it out of the way. Uh, at least half of the show is, in fact, viral. That's true. Oh, uh, 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 I am down with the sickness. So tell everyone about the man you're going to be firing. <laughs> uh, yeah, patient zero. Uh, yeah, my uh, my one coworker decided he needed to go on a a super spreader uh, holiday ski trip, and then uh, came to work sick. Knew he was sick. I said, "Hey, you look sick. You should get the fuck out of here." And he's like, "Nah, I got." I got tested. I'm good. It's just, you know, whatever proceeds to take off his mask and then hang around half the day. And, uh, lo and behold, now there's four of us who, uh, have the, the COVID. So, so, so he's getting fired, right? Uh, I hope so. I haven't really discussed it or thought about it. Cause like, fuck that guy in particular, like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh well oh well uh yeah it just makes me mad because uh you know i can do i can do everything right you know for for two years but i can't control what other people do and uh i have to pay the price for them being stupid yeah one dipshit fucks it all up for everybody yeah as they say one bad apple yeah not all cops yeah. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> we will all get Omicron. 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 It's a matter of time. There's no stopping it. It's going to happen. I mean, those of you who leave their house will. That's true. I could just start getting groceries delivered to the store. Let them yeah. sit out for, I, for my door and let them sit out. In the I would cold love for to hours. not ever have to leave my house. I know it'd be fantastic. I hate everyone. Uh, let's get into some news. Oh, shit. It's mail time. Netflix and UCP, the division of the Universal Studio Group behind the Umbrella Academy and Chucky uh, are developing a brand new adaptation of Brian Lee O'Malley's Scott Pilgrim. Uh, comic series uh so it's it's an anime adaptation uh it comes from this dubious credential of the creators of umbrella academy yeah i mean though to be fair to them uh other people seem to like it and we're just not those people so for us it's bad but for other people like oh my god yeah uh because we don't like anything uh, so Brian Lee O'Malley, the the creator 
of Scott Pilgrim, uh, is writing and executive producing uh, with Ben David Gabrinsky, the showrunner, showrunner behind the revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark at Nickelodeon. Uh, That's the first I'm hearing of that. What? Yeah. So it says here they are developing the brand new adaptation, which does not yet have a series order. So they're just announcing that they're working on it, but that Netflix hasn't actually bought the show yet. So it's like, are they're what? just putting the story out to see how people react to it before they're committing money to it? Or I don't understand. That's that's my guess. Because I can't think of anything else that like that doesn't make any sense. But. So here's the question, because the movie has a bit of a little bit of a departure from the comic book, from my understanding. They did about the best they could adapting seven volumes of a comic into a two hour movie. Right. But what I mean is like Scott's character predominantly is much harder to agree with than what the movie first leads you to believe. If if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, like he's I mean, he's a douche in the movie but like scott pilgrim in the comics is like a real dickhead most mm. of the time so that'll be interesting to see i mean we've had bojack horseman where that that's worked so I, I guess it just depends on how good the writing is for us to figure out if we're gonna like scott pilgrim i don't know it's one of those things where it's like everyone's the hero of their own story and like until he has it pointed out to him, Scott doesn't know that he's being a dick. Cause it's he's kind of one of those characters where like he just does what comes naturally to him. And like like any random person, you have the the people in your life that call you out and be like, Hey, that was that was kind of shitty. You should think about what you're doing next time. In bird bird culture, that is what they call a dick move. Yes. Uh I have some food for you. It's some some sticks and dirt that I picked out of the carpet. I don't know what humans eat. Uh, the only other thing news wise that I wanted to talk about was that uh, apparently Wes Anderson is going to be uh, directing a roll doll ap- adaptation of a movie. Oh, here it is. Uh, thank you. What's on Netflix? Uh, let's see. Hey, uh, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. Uh, Wes Anderson will direct. It's a Netflix thing. It's going to have Benedict Cumberbatch, Ben Kingsley, Ralph Fiennes, Dev Patel. I don't know if it's going to be animated. It's also worth noting that Netflix hasn't officially announced this project as of yet. So I guess that's the theme for 2022 (laughs) is that Netflix doesn't announce projects anymore. And everybody else is just like, yeah, we're doing this thing for Netflix. Cool. So go, go for it, I guess then. Uh, I don't know. I've seen one Wes Anderson movie. It was the the Grand Budapest Hotel. And I went, oh, this is like cool and quirky. I, I could, you know, I, I wouldn't like to watch this every day, but, you know, every now and then I'd, I could probably dig a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. I don't know. Do you care about this? Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's whatever. Now, have you seen any Wes Anderson movies? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox would be probably the one I figure you would watch. 
or would have watched. Um, no, I uh, I was interested in it. Haven't haven't actually seen it. Bottle uh, Rocket, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Life Aquatic with Steve. Uh, I've Zizu. seen Grand Budapest Hotel. That movie's yeah. fucking great. The movie's the movie is great. Uh, Isle of Dogs. And I've seen Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which mm. I believe we watched for this show. So no. So I've seen two. Uh, I think I did and talked about it, but it wasn't like a topic. So yeah, I mean, good for Wes Anderson. He's still going. He's making his own movies. See how uh, see how this goes. Apparently he has something called Asteroid City in post-production right now, man. Sorry, I had to. Uh, I had to get some coronavirus out of my windpipe there. It's OK. I completely silenced that part of the the audio. <laughs> You know, uh, everybody got COVID eventually, but uh, China, Dan, they uh, they got it right off the bat. Right off the bat, Dan. So with that, it's time to move into the Swillies portion of the show, uh, the part of the show where we celebrate the best of content that Netflix put out in 2021. Caleb, what do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with new series because it's a barren wasteland and we might as well get it the fuck out of the way. All right. See, I, I wrote down everything that I, that I had watched and put on my list or like, and had a list of it and all that kind of shit. And, uh, I found that continuing series was actually my barren wasteland. This wasn't a good year. Uh, I feel like it was a decent year for movies, but not for series. I think there was a lot of good movies but there weren't like the like there was a couple standout ones and i'm going to talk about most of them but yeah. like outside of that like there was a lot of like good to solid movies that i was like okay yeah like this isn't groundbreaking or anything but like good for you netflix and series wise it was just like uh what the fuck are we doing like jupiter's legacy get the fuck out of here yeah that's that's the thing is like there was still like a glut of content that came out this year, but like, I don't know in, in previous years, there was a lot more stuff that stood out to me that Mm -hmm. uh, I actually enjoyed. (laughs) So I don't know if I'm becoming more cynical or if the, uh, if all the good shows got coroned or what the fuck happened. That's definitely possible. Uh, also Porque no las dos. Yeah. All right. Uh, you want to start since since you have such a barren wasteland? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we're doing these uh, five, four, three, two, one. So like yeah. our our scores are weighted. So like, uh, you know, five gets one point, four gets two points, so on and so forth. So like if we both have the same number one, it's like guaranteed that that's the our our top new series of the year. So. In case you've never been with us for this. Uh, So my number five uh, is a show that was okay. (laughs) It's Masters of the Universe Revelation. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I liked, you know, quite a few things about it. I think uh, they had some some good ideas. So 
I still think my biggest problem is that the the random side character who joins Tila and then just is there without kind Tur- of any turns out to be the most important person in the universe. Well, is she? Because she just exists. Like I, I don't Kinda. think she does anything. But like, I don't, know. I don't know if you watched part two, but she becomes the new man at arms. So, uh, I mean, whatever, fine. It doesn't matter. That, on- that yeah, honestly, God doesn't matter. Uh, unless yeah, like they do something yeah, with it. Whatever. But- yeah, uh, yeah, I think okay. uh, I don't know some some cool stuff. It's like ten different people saying I have the power, and then saying no, I have the power, and then fighting each other with the power. I think if you were a fan of like the toys and the show and like the dumb show back in like the the eighties, yeah. seeing Adam like be like I have the power, and then turn into like a Hulk beast instead yeah. uh, without the sword was kind of cool. Which, uh, which I was and I am. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it anywhere near this list, but OK. <laughs> well, it's as I said, I just didn't like anything else. That's that's fair. All right. So uh, my number five, and this is going to be lower because I did like other stuff, is uh, Cowboy Bebop. Yes, the show okay. that got canceled because the fans hated it so much. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed it. Uh, I quite enjoyed it, too, which is why it's my number four. There we go. Yeah, I mean, like the cast is pretty great. I, I, I like all their characters and, and, and such. yeah, I love uh, I love John Cho in it. So, well, the the main three. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know how I feel about Vicious. I don't know how I feel about Julia. The side characters seemed like they were they were fun, like it had a cool aesthetic. It's just I don't know. I feel like Netflix tried to do everything right, market it properly, and people just went, nope. And yeah, said, and they really you. they really fucking crushed that opener, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it is a shame that, you know, we don't, we're not going to get a season two because if you look at the numbers, <laughs> dear, hmm. dear God, hmm. they're 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 bad. So, yeah, it's uh, not so good. Mm. Check out Cowboy Bebop uh, and when Spike goes through the glass at the end of the 10th episode, shut off the show and pretend like nothing else happens. All right. uh, Back to you for your number four, then. Oh, fuck. I forgot. We're doing a countdown show. So that's okay. Uh, So my number four is not going to be on your list because you didn't watch it because it's about League of Legends. It's it's arcane. Uh, I really like the animation style. The voice acting is actually very solid. Yeah, see, I actually I watched uh, like the first two or three episodes with Vanessa because she started getting into it. Uh, So I actually thought about putting it as my number five, despite not having watched the whole thing until I remembered that I had watched some other shit. So, but yeah, I mean, I do recommend the show. Uh, It 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 gives you the League of Legends experience without the toxic uh, text chat, which, you know, big pluses. And uh, it's it's got a really cool aesthetic, so. Yeah, that art style is very evocative of what the style they use in the games is. So like nailing that and making it something that's, you know, cinematic was pretty great. But like uh, Ella Purnell and um, Haley Steinfeld uh, killed it in their in their voice roles. So there it is. Animation from me. Uh, Your number three. Uh, My number three was. Uh, a global phenomenon this year. It is Squid Game. Oh, I get it. I get why everybody liked it. It was suspenseful. I was on board for it the whole time. Uh, 
as as we discussed, like I don't know why everybody was falling all over themselves so much about it, but like I'm not going to begrudge anything anyone for liking the thing because I liked the thing. Sure, um, it's not like the end all and be all of television, but uh, it was it was a very good show. It came out this year, and I watched it, so it's my number three. Yeah, it's. I'm still mystified that how it became the show because yeah. it, it it just, I guess hit a perfect storm where everyone was just talking about like yeah. people talked about it and everyone listened and then it just kept snowballing. So I think just kind of like the, the mystique of like the aesthetic and kind of the whole, the whole thing, like, you know, you got guys in pink jumpsuits with PlayStation button faces that are shooting people and like that's weird and fucked up so people respond to it yeah true and uh this gave me the word for how i've always felt about you which is that you're my ganbu now allow me to betray you in order to try to live through this <laughs> game and then uh you get shot off screen and then as you're dying somebody goes and saves the homeless man proving you wrong uh, all right. Uh, well, my number three is uh one. Uh, it's probably one of like those surprises of the year because I was just like, ah, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. Like, it's it's aesthetic is kind of weird and it features a fucking kid. Like, we have a a, a child as the star. It's it's Sweet Tooth. Uh, I can't That's believe I actually like the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sweet Tooth is really good. Sweet Tooth is really good. Yeah, I uh, you know, the kid is. Uh, I, Julio has this problem a lot with like precocious kids, but I, I think this is the pr- correct balance. It's like preco- precocious and inquisitive and being like put in his own place by the adults of the show. Uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the, the whole vibe of the show. Uh, the whole dynamic between big man and sweet tooth. Like yeah. I, that was the crux of the show and it fucking worked. Hell Yeah. All right, uh, on that's my number two. So your number two, then. All right, so one of my okay. So here's the thing, one of my <laughs> one of my two is not on this list, and I'm confused by your opinion, sir. So uh, my number two is Lupin. Was that new this year? Oh yeah. Fuck! I didn't even I didn't even realize. Yeah, that came out in January. Uh, there's like th- what three seasons out now? Uh, there's no, two just parts. Two. Just they two. did two. Okay. They did the two part thing where it was like, hey, we're gonna put out one season in January, one episode, one season in uh, or one part in J- July. Yeah, that's uh, that's just an oversight then, because I was <laughs> like, oh, Lupin came out in 2020, definitely. So, well, I vividly remember it because it was one of those shows that like. We talked about the trailer and I'm like, this trailer is ass. This trailer yeah. is fucking dog shit. And then uh, Play Something came out for Netflix, which was January. And I was like, fuck it. I'll, I'll try it. See how it works. And the first thing that came up was Lupin. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll just watch it. And then lo and behold, it's this magical thing where it's, um, oh, I can't remember his actual name. His real name. It's his real name. Uh, Asan Diop. No, not not Asan Diop, his real name. <laughs> uh, but like his, oh, I, I feel like an asshole. Omar Sy, right there we go. I found it. Yeah, Omar Sy. Yeah, like he's very charming, very charismatic. Like the first 
six episodes are just setting up this very charming character that, you know, uh, runs around stealing shit. And even though it's illegal, you fucking love him. And then it gets darker in the second part and uh, potentially sets up hijinks from around the world, not just Paris. But, man, I'm I was super keen on this show uh, so much so that I was like, Caleb, I don't care. I'm forcing part two as a topic. Ta- part two will be a topic of this show. Uh, and then you seem to also enjoy it, but not enough to remember yeah. that it yeah, was a I new series this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I might have that show up under a different category because of that reason. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, our, uh, our number ones, I guarantee they're the same. So let's yep. talk about midnight mass. Absolutely. Hey, good for you, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, you did it. You, you finally it. captured my attention. Yeah. It's not that the other things that you made were bad. It's just that they weren't for me. Uh, I'd argue that Bly Manor was bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we won't talk about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, go figure. I like a creature feature. Yeah. I, I never would have guessed that that was like my whole deal. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a creature feature wrapped up in like religious paradigms and like how you how you yeah. view your religion, what you come from and how how it forms you, even though you don't practice anymore. Like that's that's something that spoke to me. Like I, I saw a lot of myself in, in the main character, Riley, uh, and then they killed him in the fifth episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, probably my favorite thing about the show is that uh, they're not scared about dropping bodies. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then, you know, you have, um, I don't know, just like this, this wild fucking ending of, of the show where it's just a lot of reflection of people. And my, I think my favorite part was when the sun comes up and the religious bitch the, is the, about to trying to it. bury her head in the sand. Yeah. And I'm just like the, the metaphors here, Mike Flanagan, you've done them. Yeah. But yeah, dude, fucking Midnight Mass. That's that's top tits. Good show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, any honorable mentions for this category for you? Because I do not have any. I figured. Uh, clickbait. Ashton and I talked about it for a Rabbit Ears episode. It is kind of like junk food te- television, but like I enjoyed it. Like the, the it was mysterious enough. And it doesn't do that thing where you have like those thrillers that just like, hey, something happens to the beginning. Something happens at the end. Nothing happens in the middle. Like things are happening sporadically throughout the episode to keep you engaged. And it, it didn't just try to be like, oh, fuck, we're, we're trying to just pull you into the next episode to continue your binge. It, ju- it just kept throwing new and interesting stuff at you. And you started to care about the characters. And I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's for everybody, but it was definitely for me. All right. Uh, well, that'll move us into our best continuing series of the year uh so why don't we start with your number five dan i can't wait to see the placement of one series because two seasons of it came out last year i combined them into one uh so that's why it's where it is but uh okay it it is not this one i will say that uh it is the witcher season two uh also my number five so there we go uh, so I like The Witcher, but like this show will continue to have problems for the rest of time. And this season, it's less I can explain it less than the last season. Last season, it was like 
hard to follow. Like, what the fuck timeline are we in? Blah, blah, blah. This was just like, eh, you're doing some stuff. I don't know if I'm interested in like world politics when we're falling around a much more interesting character who goes around fucking fucking killing monsters. Like, just follow that guy. Yeah, please. Um, I don't know. I, I think that this show is sort of the the DC universe of like Netflix's pantheon of shows, because like you can see that the potential's there for it to be fucking amazing, uh, but they just keep kind of stumbling and just like I want them to just, you know, fucking nail it. Right. Uh, but they just haven't got there yet. So. Well, so to compare it to the show that obviously they're trying to replace and therefore use their subscribers towards Game of Thrones. When did that kick off? Like, when did that become the cultural sensation? Because I feel like it was season three. I mean, it it was always fairly big. You know, similar to how The Witcher has has been pretty big since it came out. But like, um, I think season three or four, uh, like once they did the Red Wedding, that's when everybody was fucking talking about it. So all they need to do is kill off half the cast in one single event. Ooh, Uh, (laughs) if I remember correctly, there is an event that would kill off half the cast. Yeah, so. Well, whenever that happens, we'll uh, we'll see if they can get there. If Sam Hurley's listening to this, he knows what it is, and then he's going to be like, I know what it is. I'm not going to tell you, though. <laughs> I just I I remember this because I played Witcher Through the Wild Hunt and they talk they talk about some event that happens. So uh, maybe that's season three. Who knows? Maybe we'll find out. All right. Well, uh, my number four, then, is. The Kaminsky Method, the final season, uh, Adam, uh, Adam Arkin, uh, Alan Arkinless. Yeah. Honorable mention for me. Yeah. I mean, despite the fact we're three seasons deep, it's still like, how the fuck was this a Chuck Lorre show? Because it showed care, introspection. It it wasn't going for cheap jokes all the time. Like, I enjoy Two and a Half Men. That show goes for some cheap fucking jokes. Yep. And uh, Michael Douglas is great. I, I I wholly miss Alan Arkin. And I understand that, you know, he went into retirement and uh, apparently has already come out of retirement. So I guess he was just waiting for the show to hit because uh, he hated doing it or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Michael Douglas did a hell of a job by himself. And, uh, you know, he didn't really mirror the Sandy Kaminsky character you know like uh when, when i think of like iconic like mirroring roles i think of um mickey rourke in like the wrestler and that kind of stuff but like yeah he he really tapped into that that kind of psyche of like a guy still like on the fringes on the periphery able, like trying to make he's, it he's got one more good fight left in him exactly cool uh my number four is cobra kai which season? Uh, uh, I just can kind of combined them. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to talk about it twice, although it could fill two spots on this list if I really want to. Um, yes. I didn't realize. Yeah. So like. Te- technically, if we're talking about it as a Netflix original, I could have put season three under new series and uh, yeah. season four under continuing series, but. Uh, they're both, you know, continuing series too. 
but yeah, totally, totally forgot that uh, season three debuted January 1st and then uh, season four came out on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Or January day or two 31st. Before. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking insanity. Uh, yeah. Shows shows pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it uh, it's pulpy. It's campy. I love it for that uh the fights have gotten incredibly better uh mainly because the kids keep getting more and more training so they can do more and more stuff yeah uh, i i mean i don't i still don't think anything will top the season two insanity of a school fight but you know this this uh all valley under 18 martial arts Sam championship was pretty fucking good. i'm coming to get you bitch <laughs> <laughs> and plus we got two f-bombs in in season four you know it's yeah good stuff yeah, season four is real good. Uh, I'm I'm struggling right now since I'm going to be on COVID lockdown for a week. Uh, whether I want to start rewatching JoJo or start rewatching Cobra Kai, but it's probably going to be one of the two. Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> Having not watched JoJo, I I don't know what to tell you here. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> you're number three then. Yes, uh, my number three is Never Have I Ever Season 2. My number three is Never Have I Ever Season 2. It's kind of more the same of Season 1. Uh, Davy is, you know, a, a teenage girl who doesn't kind of understand everything and is kind of an asshole. I, I kind of compared her to BoJack Horseman, but, you know, less of an addict and more of a narcissist because she thinks she's doing everything right and she's doing nothing right because she's like, oh, but I had good intentions. So that means I, I was right. Right. And uh, I, I, I kind of love that because it, it just shows like, yeah. you know, even with the right intentions, you know, your message isn't always the right thing. Yeah. I mean, the people who developed the atomic bomb had good intentions. Stop the Nazis. Yeah. Now we just like now we'll just nuke you random country. Don't fuck with us. Yeah, I uh, I love this show. It's uh, it's one of my favorite shows going now, and it's uh, marketed towards teenage girls. So uh, I think that really says a lot about its its broad appeal. And uh, I don't know. I I just really love Mindy Kaling. So I think uh, I think she's actually hilarious and super talented. So. I do wish we could see more of her in front of the camera because I know she had the mini project. She was in the office mm-hmm. like she's done. Uh, she did late night uh, in 2020. But like you don't see her too much in front of the camera anymore. It's all, you know, behind behind the scenes stuff yeah. like writing, creating, directing. Yeah, which I think she she really shines in that kind of sphere. But like, I don't know. I do like uh, seeing her on camera doing things, but like. Um, I just, I feel like she's far more well-known at this point for creating than for acting. Yeah. So. Yep. That's fair. And, and I think she's not like tacky enough to put herself in her own shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's not like she was going to hire herself to be Davy's mom or whatever. Oh no, I, I don't think that would have worked. I still think she looks too young to be Davy's mom. Honestly. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, my number two, that's where I put Cobra Kai. Uh, I just combined everything and just went, yeah, this is, this is the spot for Cobra Kai. Cause yeah. you know, it's, 
you know, it's everything we already said. I don't want to talk too much more about it, but yeah. Uh, what a, what an acquisition from Netflix. I, I don't care about Lucifer. I don't care about manifest, but damn, if they didn't do a good job pulling in Cobra Kai. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I love this show. I am so glad that it lives on Netflix now. Uh, cause like, I always no wanted to watch it, but YouTube. I was never, ever going to pay for yeah. YouTube. So like, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I get to see it now and I'm glad that it, it has this new home and I'm glad that it's, uh, still fucking awesome as shit. So I, I'm very thankful that YouTube premium died for, for our sins. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, now the rest of YouTube just needs to die. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, uh, speaking of things that are now Netflix originals, uh, I get to talk about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean again as my number two. Uh, show's fucking awesome as shit. Dan, you're sleeping. It's time to wake up. I mean, you're not wrong, but I've also just started Naruto on Hulu. So oh, fuck. Yeah, I got a, I got a long time to go. Apparently, uh, uh, at least episodes- it's not One Piece. Uh, I did start One Piece again, too. (laughs) Well, that's going to take you six years. Uh, Yeah, I'm never going to finish anime. I'm I'm also just going to pencil in the number one, because the number one at this point is obvious, but talk talk about uh, Stone Ocean. Um, Yeah, it's uh, the continuation of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, so it kind of builds off of... Uh, just like the zany hijinks, uh, like way over the top action and like uh, just like outlandish comedic beats of previous seasons uh, with our new protagonist, uh, Jolene Cujo, the daughter of Jotaro Cujo from uh, Jojo Part 3 and Jojo Part 4 and Jojo Part 5 in a cameo. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a prison break and, uh, they do a lot of cool things with their stand abilities. So, which are psychic fighting ghosts that are manifestations of your fighting spirit. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I really do need to check it out, but, uh, you know, you know, anime pros coming up. You can yeah, always just say like you can always just say, "Hey, we're watching, uh, we're watching the first season hey, of JoJo th- this week. We're doing Phantom Blood and uh, fucking uh, Bloody Stream, Battle Tendency. Bloody Stream's the theme song to that season. And then uh, week two, we're doing Stardust Crusaders. Week three, uh, Diamond is Unbreakable. Week four, Golden Wind." Oh, wait, let's let's find out how many Tuesdays are in April this year. Uh, f- only four. Yeah, you drank from that sign. All right. Uh, it's it's time, Caleb, to talk about our, our number one series, which, again, I'll be shocked if it's not the same fucking thing. Uh, it's Castlevania. Uh, mine's Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you <laughs> forgot that Castlevania was this year, too. Honorable mention. I didn't think okay. this season was as strong. Okay, that's fair. Uh, seasons one and three were absolute fucking bangers. Season yes. season two kind of lost me. Season four was pretty pretty damn good, but uh, uh, yeah, I just I 
like I said, I didn't realize that Lupin fucking premiered this year, but I did know it had its part two this year. Uh, so this is where I put it, because I, I honestly think that Lupin is the best thing that Netflix has going right now. That is that is fair. So hold on, because this is this, this is has now, changed the entire thing. This has changed the entire thing, because I, I assumed that it was going to be a 10 points clean sweep for Castlevania, and it's not. <laughs> so now I have to do the math. Four, Always keep two. them guessing. Is it Cobra Kai? It's between Cobra Does, Kai and Never Have I Ever, and Cobra Kai gets it because in previous years when we had this thing, it, has, it, was, it holds a higher spot on one of right, our lists. Right, so it's yes. Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai is Does the best mean, show on Netflix. Does that mean JoJo's Bizarre Adventures uh, number four? Something like that. <laughs> yeah, around, no, it'd be because um, Castlevania and Lupin share like the same space. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so congratulations cobra kai you win the smoothie for best continuing series on netflix hell yeah i'm okay with this i'm fine with it so tell me about castlevania yeah uh, yeah forget trevor belmont versus death uh any percent speed run right. <laughs> i mean <laughs> trevor belmont versus death is pretty that's a pretty baller ass fight that happens there i mean yeah, season three was fantastic. Season four was uh, a, a bit less fantastic. So honestly, this is probably like a legacy award because like for yeah, that's, years, that's true for years. Uh, it was Bojack Horseman in the spot and Bojack was just constantly just winning and winning and winning. And Castlevania was just like right behind it every time. And then, uh, you know, Bojack is finally done. And so it's like, oh, it's Castlevania's year. It's finally here. Uh, yes, we uh, I get into award show politics myself. And here, here we are. But yeah, like uh, I still love the animation style. I think Powerhouse Animations is the best studio for animation going today. The casting is perfect. I, I like I, I love um, the hell's his name. Richard Armitage as uh, as Trevor. Uh, I, I can't wait to see where they go with Castlevania and uh, in whatever direction they go. I think it's going to be a Richter, uh, but I could be wrong. I don't know the entire Castlevania lore because I've never played a Castlevania game, really. Uh, and this kind of inspired me to to want to play Castlevania games because the story is so fucking cool. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I don't know. It's been a while since uh, we had a, a good Castlevania game. Yeah, uh, what? It was Lords of Shadow. And then they just started re-releasing collections. I think they're working on something because um, Konami put out something. Be like, hey, if you're a Japanese studio, submit us something about Castlevania. And then yeah, I don't think I've ever played any of the ones that weren't like the classic ones. Hmm. Like, I don't think I ever played anything more recent than like Super NES. Meh. So, uh. I own Lords of Shadow only because uh, Ashley's ex-husband had it and then never got it back from their apartment after she moved out. So I just own a special edition of Lords of Shadow oh, there you go. on PS3. So go me. Well, I guess uh, there was a good reason for her to get married after all. It's for <laughs> you to have that game. <laughs> I have several of his games, too. It's fucking stupid. I also have his PS3. Get fucked. 
All right. Uh, so, yes, uh, Midnight Mass wins Best New Series. Uh, Cobra Kai wins Top Continuing Series. Uh, with that, we'll take a break. And when we come back from that break, uh, it's for the big one. It'll be Top Movie of 2021. So stick around. Stay tuned. Uh, this is a radio show now. Uh, keep Don't adjust that dial. And now a word from our sponsors. Our patrons, our wonderful patrons who do great things for us. 20 Mule Team Borax, add some to your washing powder and you'll have bright, clean whites. And colors that don't run, like America. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Caleb, it's time to get into uh, the meat of the show, the big thing everyone's here for, the the award that matters the most uh, from this show. Best new movie of 2021. Let's start with you. What do you got? All right. My number five is... Uh... Uh, I think kind of a sleeper. It's it's one that I liked a lot that I don't think got a lot of traction. I just uh, it being mentioned here is the award for it, I guess. So uh, I wanted to talk about the Paper Tigers. Uh, it's about three uh, kung fu prodigies uh, when they were younger who have kind of abandoned the path of martial arts uh, and they have to go back and uh figure out what happened to their Sifu uh, when attending his funeral. And it turns out probably some foul play, uh, people besmirching his legacy, and they have to defend his honor uh, posthumously uh, from uh, his secret fourth apprentice, who was uh, a bad, bad guy. So Paper Tigers, it's uh, it's real good. Okay. Well, uh, so my list is going to be very film Twitter. Uh, so if you're somebody who hates film Twitter like I do, uh, you should be upset with me. Uh, my number five is Pieces of a Woman. It's one of the first movies we watched this year. Uh, Gerald was like, oh, my God, Vanessa Kirby was so good. And then I was like, I don't believe you because you're Gerald and nothing you say is ever right. And then it turns out <laughs> he was right. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is very good. It just goes through like the how everyone grieves differently because um, Vanessa Kirby kind of, it seems like she just wants to be left alone the whole time. And her, her family is kind of like pushing her to sue this woman who probably didn't do anything wrong. It's just like shit. Uh, I know it's, uh, it's talking about like a baby, but like shit happens, you know, sometimes things just mm-hmm. fucking happen. You, you, you know, there's no explanation for it. No one did anything wrong. It's just, you know, something something God, happened and God didn't want that control. one to, yeah. to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a powerhouse performance from Vanessa Kirby. I think it's kind of what put her on the map again in terms of like acting performances, because like she was in The Crown. Uh, she had some she had some good stuff in The Crown. Like she was also in Hobbs and Shaw, which that is the only time I'll mention that movie ever positively. Uh, like she was really good in that movie. So like seeing her get a performance piece around herself uh, and being able to showcase that kind of talent, I'm very excited to see what she does next. All right, it's a good call. All right, my number four is The Mitchells versus The Machines. My number four is The Mitchells versus The Machines. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's a good, fun little family flick uh, from the studio that brought you into the Spider-Verse. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. our nerd asses are going to fucking love it. Yeah. I really like the animation style. Like it's, it's very unique. You know, it, it feels like it's something familiar, but it's something that's completely different than anything I've seen before. Yeah. I like whenever they start fighting back against the robots and like how quickly the robots develop, like a mythology about the family that's killing them. It's like, Oh <laughs> it's no, the it's lavender the purple one. one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fucking mom just becomes, I am legend. Oh my god, it's fantastic! She is like like when that happens, I just start laughing my ass off. Like that's like it's also hilarious because it's like Blake Griffin, an NBA player, delivering that line. But like it's it's such a fantastic line to hear, yeah. you know. I, I know like Julio has unfortunately introduced me to problems with the Lord Miller style, which is like they're willing to go to a certain point and then we'll just diffuse with comedy. And like that has now kind of left me blue balled because like they really they encroach upon saying something great, but then they just hold themselves back a little bit by going to just like, ah, I got to make a joke about it now. So thanks, Julio. You've ruined me forever. But hmm. uh, th- this movie does a good job of blending that. So it doesn't feel like I'm just sitting there being like, oh, good development. Oh, joke. Dumb. OK, whatever. But yeah, this movie's great. Hell yeah. All right, on to my number three, then. Uh, My number three is the Fear Street trilogy, specifically 1994. Uh, But I wanted to mention, you know, the whole the whole franchise that they did here, Uh, because each one of them in their own way is is a pretty smart horror movie that that references like an era of horror. So like the one in 78 is like a slasher movie from 78, like early 80s. Um, and then like the 1666 one is like the crucible or like any movie where there's a witch that like, they kind of play on the tropes very well. So like 1994 was like kind of a smart take on like scream and mall culture and like the, like the fad currently of nineties nostalgia. And they just kind of play on it in interesting ways. Uh, but 94 was my favorite because there is a young woman who gets her head forced through a bread slicer at a grocery store. That is the best kill that's happened in a horror movie in probably the last five years. Uh, it's true. It's right up there with the chest burster and like from the thing where the guy's chest opens up and bites the dude's arms off. And, you know. It's just one of the best fucking things I've ever seen in my uh, pathetic little life. 
Johnny Depp getting pulled through a fucking bed and a geyser blood shooting out from it. Yeah. Uh, whoever from uh, the third Nightmare on Elm Street being puppeted around by his veins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was less high on the Fear Street trilogy. I think that 1960. 1960- or not 1966 1666 was the, was the best one uh mainly because it it was just so different and i i think a lot of people yeah. like i was specifically hoping for like a robert eggers kind of kind of thing with like the vavich and that is kind of yeah. what i got for the 1666 portion so i was yeah, very happy sure. about that um i don't know i i wish they would have leaned a bit harder into the r rating on these but uh I think for what it was and what they were attempting to do, like, uh, I think they actually did quite well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those that I kind of want to revisit and just watch all in a row as opposed to like, because I I did like the uh, the week by week release schedule. I thought that was pretty inventive by Netflix to do. And then, you know, I, I never went back around to watching them again, but maybe Halloween 2022. Maybe I'll do that. All right. What is your number three? Uh, my number three is likely your number two. It is the power of the dog. OK, that's true. I'm actually shocked at how well written this movie was because I remember rewatching it. And in the first like two minutes, it's this uh, this monologue by the the boy, uh, Cody Smith McPhee. And he, he says, for for what kind of son would I be if I didn't do anything for my mother? And I just went, holy fuck that. I, I kind of blew that off being like, eh, here's some artsy fartsy shit. Yeah. Like with, with a fucking monologue. And then hearing that again, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. He like foreshadows the whole shit. Yeah. Like that's that was amazing. And, and just like the kind of ambiguity of all of it, because you have no idea if he is actually befriending Benedict Cumber- Cumberbatch or not uh because like Cumberbatch is such an asshole to everyone in this movie he just psychologically tortures everybody who you know isn't like a ranch hand kind of person like he walks around calling jesse plemons fat so fucking forces kirsten Dr- dunst into being a drunk like she just has to drink in order to get over his shit and cody smith mcphee in the best scene in the movie goes yeah my dad was worried about me being too strong and Benedict Cumberbatch goes, Oh, he didn't have to worry about that or something along those lines. She was like, <laughs> yeah, top fucking kick there, Benedict. You have no idea what this kid's capable of. Uh, bioterrorism, apparently. So yeah, uh, the power of the dog. Holy fuck. That like a second watch on that movie did wonders for it. If I can give an award for best second watch of a movie this year, it would be the power of the dog. That's awesome. Um, yeah, on to your number two, then, since that's my number right. two. Well, my number two uh, is something that Andrew Morgan of what's on Netflix, not what's on Netflix, of the Nomcast suggested uh, after we finished talking about Red Notice. He, he was talking about Tick, Tick, Boom. This is the oh, Andrew okay. Garfield vehicle about uh, Jonathan Larson and him writing a a musical the, like he has like 10 days to write a musical uh, or like a musical number to fu- to finish his musical. Yeah. All the shit happens in between this. that. So uh, that good, I, huh? I, I finally watched it yesterday and Andrew Garfield is magnificent. If that man does not get a bet, a best actor nomination, I will be fucking shocked because 
Uh, I don't think he was classically trained. I don't know if he's a singer or anything like that, but he sang everything for this movie. Uh, he runs the fucking gamut of emotions. Like he does everything right. Like this is like, this is the, the fourth quarter of Andrew Garfield considering Spider-Man and this, like it, he is, he has just done everything right. This, this year, uh, the story is good. The music, the music is all, uh, Jonathan Larson stuff that, uh, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda like punched up a little bit, like he directed the movie. So, uh, I think this was his okay. directorial debut and, uh, at least Hollywood wise. And, fuck man it's it's so good like uh, i i for a musical which i'm not super into like i watch like a musical every five years like the last musical i watched was like la la land and well i was i was gonna say to i me. think la la land like opened the the doors for you to be able to enjoy that sort of thing so i don't know because i'm still apprehensive to watch musicals it it has to be the right musical and La La Land was just like, hey, it wasn't even that it was a musical. It was just like, hey, this is what you need to hear in 2016, Dan. Like, this is how you need to be able to, like, learn how to live with yourself. Uh, and this has a less profound speaking of that, but it, it was just an enjoyable time. And Andrew Garfield's so good. Yeah, oh, he's he's a fantastic actor. In fact, uh, as soon as we finished with Tick, Tick, Boom, I was like, well, we're watching Under the Silver Lake again. <laughs> How are two of uh, my favorite currently working actors, Spider-Men? It is weird. Uh, like, if if Adam Driver becomes Spider-Man in something, I'm going to th- call conspiracy. Because uh, I, I have Adam Driver fever. Melt into me, you humanoid grilled cheese sandwich, or right, some John other Oliver. weird shit that John Oliver would say. Yeah, because like <laughs> I borrowed something you said from uh, the uh, the Devil of the Time review, but like say what you want about that movie, I think that movie's whatever. But like Tom Holland's very good in that movie, and that yeah. kind of showed he can act. And then now everyone can see he can act in you know No Way Home. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the devil all the time. Just give me just give me more Andrew Garfield and shit, guys. Like, just put him in everything. Fuck it. Who cares? Oversaturate it. So two of my favorite actors are Batman. One's a knockoff Darth Vader and one is uh, a new Batman. Did I say Batman before? Because I meant two were Spider-Man. Right. Who's the other? Who's Batman? Uh, the new Batman, Robert Pattinson. Uh, he's oh. he's becoming one of my favorite actors. Okay, he's he's come a long way since Hold On, Spider Monkey. Actually, I think I think that uh, the Devil All the Time is also what sold me on Robert Pattinson. So yeah, I I want to go see more of his. I want to see more of his stuff, like more of his stuff from like the post Twilight era. Oh, but then I remembered we watched. We watched Remember Good me Time and Good Time. Yeah. See, I I don't think he's the problem in Good Time. I think it's the Safety brothers that are the problem yeah, in Good Time. It's just not a good flick. So. All right. Uh, so we have the same number one yet again. 100%. We're so smart and good at this. Uh, fucking Zendaya is magnetic. Uh, I loved Malcolm and Marie. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I watched it for a third time uh, in December, and I was just like, holy fuck, this movie holds up. This movie's great. Yeah. And, and I know people don't agree. Uh, it's a very divisive movie, and the, the main critique of it is it's just yelling for two hours the movie. Nah, it's like real shit, man. Like, this is this is the human experience condensed into fucking an hour and 45 minutes, like... This is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it contextualized the way that I have arguments with Ashley because I felt like I was I watched this like we had just had an argument and I started watching this and then I was like, oh, my God, I'm John David Washington and he's an asshole. Yeah. Like the way he treats her is just like his, it's like, like you start you start realizing some of the low blows that you've taken yeah. in the past. But and also, like, on, on this third rewatch, this movie's fucking hilarious. Like, he's sitting at the fucking dinner table chowing down on mac and cheese, just accosting her from across the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, it's so fucking... The mac and cheese like, that she made for him. It, it's so funny. Like, it shouldn't be funny, but it's fucking hysterical. Just yeah. the way he behaves. But, um, I mean, I know we... We always, like... uh you know, we're in love with Zendaya, but like, I don't want to sell John David Washington short in this either. Like, he's fantastic. They're yeah. both fantastic. Like, uh, obviously, it's like two characters in a room, the movie. But like, so like, this is going to sound stupid, but like, it doesn't work without him. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> they're they're both really just putting in some work in this. Yeah, and I mean, th this kind of showcases Zendaya, and of course, she's in another franchise fucking movie in Spider-Man, so, I mean, you, you just can't get away from the franchise movies, man. You know, uh, they contain some of your favorite actors and some of the best actors today who, yeah. who just want to be more well-known. And who just want to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. All right, uh, any honorable mentions? Uh, I have two. Uh the first one is The Guilty. That is also one of mine. Yeah. Uh, tense little thriller with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and just, uh, uh, you know, a pretty good acting piece for him. Yeah. Uh, and then my second one is Oxygen, which uh, is sort of like the Buried Alive movie. It's uh, you're trying to figure out what's what the fuck is actually happening. Um, it's a single location movie, which I always just kind of think is neat. And, uh, I don't know, like it, it, it's a single character in a single place with no one else to talk to. Uh, and yet, you know, it moves along at a, uh, good pace and is interesting and, uh, just kind of, I don't know. It got there. Yeah. No, I, I like that. It uh, it just kind of wasn't my speed, but I totally appreciate that movie. Yeah. yeah I don't know. It's just a, a neat little kind of one-off thing. Yeah. Yeah, Melanie Laurent uh, kind of acting piece. Uh, uh, well, my other honorable mentions were, uh, and I don't have my big list. I, I had a great big list here of stuff. 
Uh, I'm going to save one of them for hidden gem. Uh, actually, I'm going to save two of them for hidden gem because we're doing a hidden gem uh, to close out the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- the only other one would be Fear Street 19, uh, 1966. I keep saying it. 19... 1666. There we go. That is, the, that is the correct number. That is the best Fear Street movie. Uh, I love the aesthetic. Uh, the ending kind of miffs me a bit because it goes back to the, the 1994, which I did not like. But uh, it is what it is. The, the 1666 portion is just so fantastic, though. All right. So, All right. yeah, I suggested uh, we always try to do, squeeze in like one more little oddball thing uh, at the end of the show here. Uh, so we so we can get to talk about things like uh, the Bash Brothers experience and right. what did Jack do and, you know, other weird shit. Uh, right. So we didn't really get like a, a weird fucking short film like that that we can shoehorn into the show this year. So uh, I brought up the idea of just doing a hidden gem, like something that you really liked this year that, you know, maybe didn't get a whole lot of uh, buzz around it or, you know, nobody else ever talked about. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. All right. So uh, I'll bring up. I'm going to bring up three things. Uh, Two are movies and one is a show. Okay. Uh, I'm also going to bring up three things. All right. So the first thing I'm going to bring up is The Way of the House Husband. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I mean, it's a dumb little show. It's like it's a bunch of short vignettes like tied together. And it's it's like over the top, campy kind of garbage. Like uh, it's about a former uh, Yakuza who, who becomes a house husband because he got out of the life. It doesn't really go into it, but he talks yeah. like a mafioso when talking about like his everyday life and how he approaches that. So and it's just like a, a fun little throwaway, stupid thing that I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot better than what it probably should be. Yeah. What about you? So this is this is kind of the thing that gave me the idea of doing this. So like before Cowboy Bebop came out and like kind of filled this niche of what I was looking for, uh, this movie was here to kind yep. of fill a similar thing. Uh, it's called Space Sweepers. Yeah, it was real weird and fun and campy and stupid, and I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, th- that's also on my hidden gems list uh, because, like, as you said, it's campy and stupid and weird. And it felt like that was the void that the people who were trying to enjoy Cowboy Bebop would be into. So, I mean, if you're a fan of Cowboy Bebop, but want to watch something that isn't Cowboy Bebop named, but is Cowboy Bebop, just watch Space Sweepers. Yeah. I love Space Sweepers. All my all my yeah. homies love Space Sweepers. Yeah, right. All right. Uh, well, then, uh, even though that's one of mine, uh, I'll just let you go twice here afterwards. Uh, I'm going to talk about The Trip. So this is a Danish movie starring Numi Rapace. And uh, hmm. it's a it's a dark comedy about a couple who are basically trying to murder each other in order to get out of this relationship because they each get something out of the, the death of the other person. Uh, and then it comes to be that uh, eventually... Uh, a couple like three murderers escape from prison and then capture them. And uh, 
the trials their relationship then goes through and how it becomes how the relationship becomes galvanized uh, all while ridiculous hurtful things are happening to to each of them uh it's actually really funny it was really enjoyable uh it was one of those movies that like i i kind of watched the trailer and went oh this could be fun and then just kind of threw it on one day and just went oh yeah fuck yeah this is great hmm. so yeah uh check out the trip I don't think I've even heard of that. So uh, we watched the trailer one time. Yeah, probably. Uh, well, this one's going to be real quick. Uh, it's a documentary called Biggie. I got a story to tell. Hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, family footage and interviews and stuff about uh, Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. the notorious B.I.G. And it's kind of what he was all about in his life and uh, his untimely death. And uh I don't know. I just it came out in March. I uh, I liked it a whole lot. So, yeah, uh, I like Biggie. By all accounts, he he seemed to be just uh, a good dude who was just trying to get the fuck out of the hood and take care of his kids. So, yeah. And then uh, I guess the the winner for my hidden gem for this year or something. I don't know. Sure. But I I heard like basically nobody talk about this movie this year. Uh, it's called A Whisker Away. Uh, oh, yeah. It is an animated feature. It is uh, basically as close as you can get to a Studio Ghibli movie without having Hayao Miyazaki doing it. Um, I like it. It's good. It's about a girl who wants to turn into a cat so that she can uh, stealthily get close to the guy she has a crush on. And if yeah, that sounds insane, it's, uh, it's, that's that's Japan. That's that's Studio Ghibli. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, you may, you had us watch this for um, Anime April, and I was like, yeah, uh, I've never seen a Studio Ghibli movie, but like, I, I know their aesthetic, and damn, this is this is pretty fucking close. Yeah. Uh, I have seen many Studio Ghibli movies because I am uh, obsessed. Yeah, I mean. For all intents and purposes, they're popular and uh, well-liked. Yeah. Uh, If you have HBO Max, they have, or I'm pretty sure they still have, uh, a Studio Ghibli subsection. They do. You can go and watch all of those. Uh, I was going to do something. I watched Porco Rosso there. It's about a a pig who is a a dog-fighting airplane pilot. What? (laughs) <laughs> uh he's like i don't know like a world war one dog fighter uh his name's porco rosso apparently he was just like a dude but he was like such a slovenly piece of shit that he just turned into a pig man uh because it's a ghibli cartoon right huh yeah uh i i was gonna do See, it was uh, either that or uh, the Pixar series that I was going to do for uh, Blank Makes Dan Watch. And uh, no one got back to me about any of that stuff. So I just went, eh, fuck it. It's whatever. I'm still trying to get Gerald to uh, fucking talk to me about all the Coheed albums in order. (laughs) I don't think Gerald wants to do that. Let's be honest. Yeah, I don't think he does. Not after, after the last time. Yeah, I think I'd rather just die. All right. So uh, with that, 
Uh, we're going to wrap up out of the show. But uh, if you're a patron of our show, uh, stay tuned because we'll be talking about uh, the f- our five worst Netflix originals of the year. Uh, we'll also be talking about the best and worst of the patron picks from 2021. So uh, if that sounds interesting to you and you would like to listen to that, uh, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill uh, to contribute to us monetarily because you like us and y- you like our content because it's super cool and awesome. Uh, that's true. Uh, and we love you. So do it. Where can they find the show, Dan? Tell them everything. All the details. Yeah, Netflix and Swill.com. If you want to stop shopping all things Netflix and Swill, that has our links to our uh, our Patreon page. It's up there, too. Uh, also, links to where you can find the show. Uh, review us on podcast services, because that's cool and does something. I don't know. Uh, people seem to need it, so we also ask for it, too, because that's a requirement of podcasters. Yay! Uh, also, check out all the other shows that are on uh, Netflix and Swill.com, uh, such as Rabbit Ears and Stacking Triggers. Uh, they deserve your love because they're also pretty good. Yeah, I guess I guess it's true. Uh, well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, presentation of the shit that you should have watched and liked and probably didn't because you were too busy uh, planning your Squid Game group Halloween costume. Yeah. Uh, So until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.